What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. On today's episode, we have Becky Wallenberg, co-owner of Snap Fitness. So what's funny is, you know, most of my podcasts, especially with gym owners or personal trainers, I ask a lot of like the same questions, right? Getting to know them, getting to know their gym, what makes them different, their goals, their staff, um, things like that. This one was kind of completely different. It's also pretty long, so hold on tight. Because we got to talking about a lot of things that we're both pretty passionate about. Um, Strength training, strength training in women, you know, the whole fear of I'm going to be bulky if I pick up a weight. Um, A lot about social media and like comparing ourselves to others. Um, A lot about like mindset, mental health, and just a lot of communication styles, the the burden of having a a people job, um, things like that. And so... Becky, she's awesome. Um, I'm so glad that I got to hang out with her and get to know her because she was she's just awesome, a great a great human, um, and she's very organized. And she, so she came with like a a few pages of notes because she knew that I was going to ask her kind of my like typical questions. And then what was funny is that I asked her like none of those. And so after the podcast, she was like, oh, I really want to give like a lot of credit to my team too. And so she emailed me. And so I wanted to make sure like we highlighted her team um, because she's obviously, she values them a lot. So her team at Snap Fitness is comprised of two part-time gym managers. We have Jean Atkinson and Sarah McCarthy. She has another full-time trainer since 2017, Nicole Prange, and then her head cycling instructor, for their um, Elevate Cycling Studio is also Nicole. And then she has Cindy Teachman and Julia Henneck. I hope I'm pronouncing pronouncing these right. I'm sorry if I'm not. So Cindy and Juliet coach cycling. And Juliet is also a part-time personal trainer in SNAP. Um, so we didn't get to cover all of those things. But yeah, I hope that you enjoy. It was an awesome episode. I think we could have talked forever. Um, but anyways, thanks for listening. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Becky Wallenberg, badass woman and owner of Snap Fitness. So welcome, Becky. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel excited to be here. I know. I'm super excited to get talking with you and get to know more about you. So Snap Fitness has been open since, is it 2009? We purchased the business in 2009 okay. from the existing owner. Um, they they opened the business, I believe, in 07 or 08. Um, and it was really just off of a whim. Um, my wife and I um, have always been entrepreneurs, and she originally had owned a mortgage company. And I happened to um, 
be on the real estate dealings side of that mortgage company. And uh, the housing market happened in Ooh, 08, yeah. the big crash. Mm-hmm. And we decided to diversify our businesses. So we were looking into another business and we were looking at the Snap Fitness model and the Anytime Fitness model, which are essentially is the same. Um, and it's a 24-hour fitness concept. It's a franchise. Um, Snap Fitness specifically is based out of Minnesota. And um, there happened to be one in Mount Pleasant. And we went and visited. We actually joined. And uh, just the timing of it worked out incredibly well in our favor. The owner was moving back to New Orleans. His wife had found oh, a job hey. there that she couldn't pass up. And we um, we ended up purchasing it back in 2009. So um, definitely not the orthodox way of uh, getting to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, why Snap Fitness? Um, well, again, you know, we wanted to diversify our business and... Um, we instead of like a, a gold or a planet fitness or a pivotal yeah so we liked the smaller business concept mm-hmm. we liked um the this it it was something um you know again you don't have four or five or six thousand members you have Oof. two to five hundred members yeah. and we just liked the model we liked the concept and you know it, it's expensive to open a gym and house equipment and um it just made sense financially and it it just kind of turned out, rolled out in our favor. So yeah, I mean, and yeah. a few years later, like you're still here doing great, for right? sure. Yeah. And so you moved in 2017, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So where are you located now? So we are off of uh, the corner of Clements Ferry and 41, right there by Denton's Shipyard. Um, really cool little ballpark they've they've added in there. Oh, nice. um, lots of little businesses. So so yeah, we're right there on the corner. Um, we've got a great space about 5,000 square feet, got a small group fitness room, um, could house, you know, four to five members at a time. Um, it's got TRX bands. It's got something called an S drive, which is like a simulation of a weight plate, like a, like you can push a weight plate. Oh, um, sled drag. Like a sled. Yes. Oh, but it doesn't take up any room. None. Right. Um, it's got a parachute simulation on it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the Tennessee Titans purchased 40 of them a few years ago for their football team. Oh, wow. So yeah, it takes up no space. Does that help the Tennessee Titans um, at all? I hope so. Well, I guess it helped them last year, right? Well, yeah, they were in the playoffs and they're like, I don't know, five five and two this year. Definitely the parachutes. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so, um, it's got a nice little group fitness room. And then we actually opened a cycling studio about, about six months, um, after we opened the, uh, or, you know, moved our, Oh, okay. Our gym. So in 2017, is that so when So 2017 moved? we moved in, mm-hmm. and then 2018 we opened the cycling studio. Okay. Uh, and what a cool concept. Um, it we, my, my wife and I, who's also a business partner, and she's kind of the brains behind the operation. She's the entrepreneur of, of us. And uh, she had come up with the idea that we should have at least a like-minded business in this separate space we had. It's about 1,500 square feet. So we looked at like maybe talking to a yoga instructor or a cycling instructor that wanted to open their own business. And then we decided, well, why wouldn't we just open one ourselves? Mm -hmm. And I had been into triathlon, so I've been into cycling. And um, we'd taken a few classes, and she loved the idea. So um, we opened a studio, and we put in a a special bike called – it's it's got um, an FTP meter on it, so it measures your functional threshold power. So I like to say that it really keeps you um, in check. So instead of you having to work off of a rate of perceived mm-hmm. exertion, 
So, you know, my three out of 10 might be different than your three out of 10, just like my eight out of 10 might be different than your eight out of 10. So um, they really, um, they, they give you an objective measure. Yes, exactly. What is it based off of? It's functional. So functional threshold power. So um, essentially, you know, in theory, what you could hold as far as power goes in watts for a 45 to 60 oh. minute period. Ooh. So we actually can give you um, a, a, like a five minute test to kind of give you a, a, oh. a spit out a number. So it'll tell me what I should be doing and then I'll feel bad when I actually don't want to do it. Pretty much. <laughs> like at least yeah. with RPE, I'm like, I can be like, oh, this is an eight out of 10. And so that's, that's the it thing. for me. It yeah. keeps you honest. It yeah. Keeps and you and honest it makes for sure. Well, it's also kind of cool to see what you're capable of. Absolutely. Too. That's not, that's not subjective. Yeah, so, so can you sustain that power out, output during yeah. the duration of a class? So, and it also has a so has the watt rate meter on the bike, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really accurate. Um, and it also um, it, it has a coach by color concept. So the coach by color should usually match up essentially with your heart rate. Mm-hmm. So you know when you're like in zone one, yeah. right? You're in your zone one in your FTP, and it goes from white to blue to green to yellow to red. So in theory, again, you shouldn't be able to hold red for more than 30 seconds to mm-hmm. a minute. So it just gives the coach or the teacher of the class um, like the ability to really branch out and utilize the bikes um, and the technology. Yeah, And it's something different. that we don't have here in Charleston. It's it's a unique component to... Yeah. Because um, we have a ton of gyms in Charleston, right? Right. Lots of cycling studios. Yeah. They, you know. ex- I mean, it's blown up. Sure. So how long have you lived in Charleston? I live. I've lived here for twenty plus years. Okay. Um, so you've seen the whole kind of process of like how things have changed within like all the. We had all the gyms, right? Like the Globo gyms, and now we have all the CrossFit gyms, and then we have mm-hmm. the, the boutique boutique personal training studios. Like, how have you kind of like adapted your place to fit the trends? Good question. So, ironically, I didn't start off when I got here. Oh, I, basketball is what brought me mm-hmm. here. College basketball. And I transferred from James Madison in Virginia, which is where I grew up and I'm from. And I moved down here in, um, in the summer of 99 to p- finish my college basketball career, graduated in 02. And I really didn't get back into fitness. You know, fitness has always been a part of my life, but I didn't get back into fitness until we purchased the gym. Oh, wow. So you took um, some time off. So yeah. So in between that time, I was in real estate. And it just didn't really move me, mm-hmm. but I just, I never had a clear path or direction to where I, I never thought that I would be where I am today and be so passionate about what I do now. Um, but yeah, back in 09 when we purchased the gym and, um, you know, I really had the mindset of like gym owner, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll get into fit, you know, fit, um, fitness and personal training at some point. But honestly, there was a level of fear there because I didn't really have experience in the field. And, um the the thought of you know we learn quickly when we learn from others but we learn deeply when we learn from experience mm, and like so i've that. really learned through my own experience and you know making a, a ton of mistakes up front right you know seeing to, what to works putting yourself out yeah. there yeah. so in answer to your question the, i mean gosh the fitness industry changes you know i'd say every 2 to 3 years there's something new mm-hmm. craze some craze on the market and what we've done really, like I said, is we, when we were, when we moved our fitness facility, really we started out with just a gym. Now we have that small group fitness, that functional training room mm-hmm. that we can put a few members or clients in. 
um, and now we have the cycling studio. So you can get everything you need all in one fitness facility, unless you're into yoga. But we, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can't be good at everything. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you can't spread yourself too thin and, and right. try to provide everything. That's that's right. where I see actually businesses and gyms going wrong, especially if they're limited uh, in their space. You know, trying to have. 200 plus members, but also only offer group classes and then also have, you know, it's like you, you got to do well, what you can do well, mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to have the whole city of Charleston in your gym, like that's Agreed. just not how it works. Yeah. 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 And so your addition of like the cycling studio and then you have like your group fitness thing now too, definitely helps you be able to like, you can provide everything. Yeah. Um, but not to 2000 people. Cause that's just right. not, it's right. just not fathomable. And that's the concept behind snap. And what we appreciate about our gym is, you know, it's a big enough gym that you can get a great workout in. We've got all the different, you know, circuit equipment you could want. We've got free weights, dumbbells, barbells, Smith machine, you know, assisted pull-up and dip machine, bench press, all that. You know, everything a big gym is going to have just on a smaller scale, less members. Mm -hmm. You know, we can provide a better quality service and more, you know, one-on-one personal attention to people. Yeah. So, for instance, we offer a free equipment orientation to any new member. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't want them to come in the gym and feel completely overwhelmed and confused. And what do I do first? Should I do cardio first? Should I do strength training first? You know, so we try to provide them some value there and, and just a, a direction that they can take to start their, you know, their fitness journey. Or we might have someone coming off the street that was a college athlete and they just want to come in and be able to work out and be in a low-key, you know, quiet facility where they can get a great workout in and not not be talking to three or four yeah you know fans yeah Yeah. exactly so you offer you do a lot of personal training as well Mm -hmm. right and so members of your gym they can either like kind of do their own thing Mm -hmm. that's why like the 24-hour access is there and then also you have a big section that does personal training correct and then you also have the group fitness yes so we haven't been doing group fitness because of covid yeah um and again our our group fitness area is a little bit smaller than we maybe would have wanted it to be. Um, but we were talking before we started recording and I was just, um, talking about our cycling studio and pulling out a few bikes, adding in, you know, a rack of up to 50 pound dumbbells so we can do some quality, um, strength training, (laughs) actual strength training. Yes. Plus doing a cycling class. So you might come in do 30 minutes on the, on a bike and then with a with an instructor, and it's only you know eight to twelve people instead of thirty people in a class, so you get a little bit more you know um, attention. Yeah, like individualized right? individualized mm-hmm. attention. And then you can do fifteen to thirty minutes of strength training again with an instructor. So we're moving into that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a little bit slowed process COVID. because of COVID. Yeah. Everything is slow right now with COVID. Yeah. Amen. But I think that's great to find the happy medium, right? Because we were talking before, like so many people are doing group fitness. It seems to be mm-hmm. like when I hear personal trainers, I'm like, oh, people still do that? Because I feel like everybody I know goes to group classes, whether it's Orange Theory, CrossFit, you know, the works, things like that. It, um, but we still have so many personal training gyms too. We do. And that's definitely what we specialize in. And that's what I specifically mm-hmm. love to do is the one-on-one, sometimes two-on-one, but everyone is different. Like our bodies are different. Um, you know, our goals are a little bit different. So I like to be specialized with that one person and their goals. You know, every, every client is different. Every um, programming piece is different. Oh, yeah. Component is different. Um, so yeah, 
love the personal training. You like the personal training better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the relationship with each person. It's all important to me. Yeah. And like the group fitness, you know, you maybe get a few touch points. Yeah. So, and there's nothing wrong with group fitness. It's just, um, it's, it's kind of geared towards what we all want in our life right now, which is we're too busy. We only have 35 minutes. We've got to get to that gym, do our 35 minute workout. Um, you know, who cares if it really has enough strength training components to it? I just want to get a good workout. Just want to feel I only like have, I got a workout. Yes, I only yes. have three times 35 minutes a week to do a workout. Mm-hmm. I get that, but this is geared more towards people who, um, you know, really want to hone in like what they need personally, which we talked about mm-hmm. strength training. It's a huge component. Yeah, that's the thing, and mm-hmm. I think that's unfortunately where a lot of people miss the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now like you know we talked before like I. At the end of the day, having people that are moving is better than having people that are not moving. Yes. And you're, if you're happy going to the group fitness, you have a few minutes a week to commit to it, and you're feeling good, like, that's good for you. That's great. Yep. Because it's better than not moving. For what sure. I struggle with is when people start to maybe get injured, or they want something more, and they don't they don't know what to do, because mm-hmm. they've only ever done the, the high intensity, like, I'm laying on the floor after... I just worked out for an hour, so of course I feel like I got a good workout, but then you look at their goals and you're like, well, these don't really align. Right. And I feel like we've gotten away from the fundamentals yes. of like strength and conditioning. Yes. And you said it, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Deadlifts, squats, lunges, bench press. Bench press. Why doesn't anyone bench press anymore? I love bench press. I know. It's one of my favorites. It's the only thing you can do laying down, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Oh, when I put my clients on the bench, they're so happy. Oh, yeah. good. I get to lay down. But yeah, those fundamental aspects are so important. And yeah, people are missing the boat on that. But again, it goes back to education or misinformation. When they think like they're laying on the floor after a workout, like you said, and they're just dead tired, dead beat, and it takes them two days to recover, they must have done it right. And it's not about how yeah. hard you can push your body, but in the ways in which you push it. Are you doing it the right way? So are high-intensity interval training workouts a good thing? Absolutely. But you do those, you save those for two times a week, maybe yeah. 20, 25 minutes worth. And then you've got to pepper in the strength training, you know, maybe a, a longer distance endurance. Yeah, like oh, 60 minutes on the domains. bike, low impact. Yeah. You know, long walks, that sort of thing. And so. that's what, yeah, like, and I can't really even talk because I do CrossFit. And so, like, I'm the worst about it. But I, I also know. CrossFit, but I'm afraid of injuries, so. Well, but, we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, like, I also have to make myself strength train outside of it because a lot of programs don't provide that, especially with COVID yes. right now. Um, and then, like, the strength training is what is going to allow you to build up the capacity to do the other things that you want to do. It's not the yes. other way around. and. Lying on the floor for six days a week after a workout, you think that you did so much, but it's like, did you actually get a lot of work done and did you actually improve your capacity or do you just feel dead and tired? Right. So it's, and I have the problem of after I do just like a a strength training workout, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I did that much because I'm not dead. Like you don't need to feel that way every day. And and that's what you said, education. Yes. Um, That's a big part of it. I can relate to that too because um, yeah, you do Ironman. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I went, I, I took a hiatus from any kind of cardio because I hated it so much in college. I hated running. That's so funny. You played basketball. I, yes, <laughs> it's different though when you have a ball in your hand or you're trying to beat your teammates or the other team down the court. It's different. Mm-hmm. But um, I went from like you know 
playing a, D, a Division One basketball on a Division One basketball team, and you know having to run, you know, by force with a whistle, um, to not running at all and only doing strength training. So I didn't, I wasn't pushing myself physically the way I was in college. And you know, four or five years ago, I got talked into doing a, a half iron, I mean, a, a half marathon. Who talked you into this? Uh, a friend of mine that played college basketball also, okay. and um, she was joking with me. I'd never run a 5K before, and she was joking with me after a softball game one night that we played on a team together. Um, you could totally do a, a half marathon. You just would need to train for it. So yeah. the the nerd in me went and Googled, and I think I pulled like a Hal Hingdon, you know, um, uh, half marathon training plan mm, and I printed it out to five. Yes. And I, I printed it out. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sign up for the Charleston half marathon. Mm. And I ran my first half marathon. Is that the bridge? I, um, no, that is, uh, that's the Cooper river bridge run. That's the 10. Oh, that's the 10 K. Um, See how much I run. You can tell. That's I know awesome. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, so I, and I did my, fa- my first half marathon, you know, five or five or so years ago. And I really found I actually enjoyed it. And my goal from that was to, one, push myself physically and mentally the way I hadn't really done, you know, in mm-hmm. a long time. But also just to find that, like, thing in fitness that didn't have to do with weight training or basketball that I could do, enjoy on my own, didn't require anything but my shoes and my body. Yeah. And I just, my goal from that was really just to go out and be able to run three to five miles and enjoy it. And I... I got to that point. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so you go from pushing yourself, and then it, it, long story went into Ironman training. To this year, I took the year off from any kind of competition, mm-hmm. and so I'm back to just mostly strength training, some cycling. So I'm doing some cardio because obviously our heart's important to keep yeah. healthy too. And um, you're right, like finishing a workout, a strength workout, you don't have that same yeah. feeling you get from a high intensity workout, which can be addictive for people. Oh right? yeah. Like they, you know, they feel like they've just run through a brick wall for the last 45 minutes, which isn't always the great. Yeah. I'm like, you feel great after because you just did something that you didn't think you'd be able to do. It's also like the music is pumping. You have Mm -hmm. your friends with you. And and that part of it, like I love, I love the community part of it. But I think that we also have the obligation to educate our clients and our patients and our friends that that's not it. You know, like we have this huge spectrum of fitness and there's all of these little things, you know, it's kind of like religion. It's like we have so many different denominations. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, like fitness encompasses strength training and aerobic capacity and across a ton of different domains. And like, why are we missing the boat on the biggest thing of like strength training? And why, I don't know why it is. Why do you think it is? Well, um, I think it goes back to misinformation and, you know, people's time restraints, mm-hmm. you know, and people prioritizing, like, I, I need to get in something. Yeah. So I probably should get in cardio. Yeah. So I'm going to go to a class cardio, that has lots everything. of cardio. And honestly, if I had a, if I had, you know, a choice, I would tell someone, Hey, why don't you focus on your nutrition? Yes. What you're putting in your body and your strength training. And then when you can throw in some cardio, we'll find time to put that in there. But that's just not people's priority, and that's they. I think they get a misconception. I also think, like we had discussed, mm-hmm. you know, before we started, was women specifically are afraid of getting bulky, and yeah. the the amount of calories you have to eat and the protein full time strength training is yeah. massively difficult. So 
Yeah, there's a lot. So there's a lot there. So on the note of, I could talk about this stuff all day. Let's start with what you said first. So like someone who thinks they just need to do cardio. Mm -hmm. It's like you, it's, I don't know if it's been advertised of like, oh, you need to lose weight. And it's all these like sweaty people on treadmills. Mm -hmm. So like that part of it, I think plays a big role. People think that that's what you need to do. Cardio. If you want to lose weight, cardio. If you want to be healthy, cardio. Well, I don't have time, so I'm just going to do cardio. What do you not have time for? Like your health, your life? Yeah. Because this is like a life thing. That's the thing is people think like my fitness is just a hobby. Oh, well, you like to work out. I don't. Like, well, that's too bad. Like, do you like to breathe? Do you like to eat vegetables? Like, do you like to sleep? It's, I, it's a part. It should be I a could not part of your day. More. And I talk about that. That's one of the first things I discuss with a new client is I say, do you get up and go to work every day because you've got to put food on your table for your family and provide for your family? Or do you have to get up and homeschool your kids because of COVID or, you know, like run your household? Whatever it is that you do your day-to-day life, you have to get up and do it. Why would you think fitness and, and being healthy is any different? I mean, we're not getting any younger. The one thing we can't beat in this world is time. Mm-hmm. So as we age, like it's so important oh, yeah. to Even include important. these aspects you know, in our lifestyle, you're right. It's, and it's such a cliche. It's a lifestyle, but it is truly. Yeah. You find something every day to keep you active, to keep you moving. And you know, we can go into nutrition, but that's a huge component, you know, but it's like, and even as you age, it's going to get harder to start a new habit. Sure. Um, it's but it's like brushing your teeth. Like this is a non-negotiable and that's Mm -hmm. what I want to like start I guess like messaging more, like helping, you know, fixing that because it's, it's a non-negotiable, like it's part of being healthy is some sort of like health and fitness, um, some, some sort of physical activity, but the nutrition thing. So a lot of, I would say 90% of the people that I have that come in here, when I, when I meet everybody, I ask sleep, stress, nutrition, and people don't know what nutrition is. And most people are like, like they can't make any progress because they have no idea what they're doing with their nutrition because either they think what they're doing is good or they're trying all these fancy diets. I mean, it's just like, that's the foundation Yes. of like, you can't drive your car unless you put gas in it. Right. What kind of gas are you going to put in it? Are you going to put French fry gas or are you going to put vegetable gas? Like, and I use that concept too, or that analogy that our engines treat them like a Ferrari. Our body is our engine. Treat it like a Ferrari. Don't treat it like a Pinto. Put put the fuel in it. It's important. Oh, oh God! My dad owned a Pinto before your time. Um, Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, So it's just value. It's like what people don't prioritize or what they don't value, and it's not that I'm trying to say like our priorities are better. It's just that this is a priority. Like it's across the board. Like you have to usually most people have to go to work, like you said, and make money. Mm -hmm. Most people have to eat. Most people have to provide for their family. Like, so most people need to exercise. Like, everybody needs to do this. It's just... Well, it's interesting, though. You know, exercise, I, you're probably in the same boat as me. We're in fitness because we're passionate about fitness, right? So I love to work out. Yeah. It's, it's an easy part of my day. Mm-hmm. I look forward to it, usually. Not always. Yeah, exactly. But the motivation isn't always there. But the discipline to do it is. And yeah. that's where people fall short. And they feel overwhelmed by that. And, you know, like, I hear it all the time. Oh, man, I, I just don't know how you stay so motivated. I'm like, you know, I'm not always motivated, especially during that Ironman stuff. I mean, I didn't want to go swim 4,000 meters in a pool. I didn't want to swim laps for, you know, yeah. an hour and 15 or an hour and 30 minutes sometimes. 
but you do it anyway. And that's like the, that's the one line answer of mental toughness. When you don't want to do something, you do it anyway and you prioritize it. And you can take that right back to um, working or getting your kids ready for school. Um, you know, stay at home mom is no different than going to work. It's just as difficult, just a different hard, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you, you're not going to stay in bed when your two kids have to get on the bus to go to school. You're going to get up and give them breakfast and get them off on the bus. I think the other thing is, is that people are typically, they want to please others first, right? They want to put everyone else yes. in their life first and not prioritize their own well-being, health, fitness, and mental health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a good excuse. And it's an easy excuse. And it's an easy way out. I don't have times of taking care right. of other people. Well, right. the best way to take care of other people is to take care of yourself. Amen. You're a thousand percent right. Put your mask on first. And also, yeah. like, be the role model and, yes. and start these habits in your kids, too. Yes. Just, like, the people watching you. And, I mean, it's funny because, like, you'd think that we'd get to the point where we didn't feel like we'd have to talk about this. But it's still so much a thing. And it's, like... That's what we deal with every day is people mm-hmm. that don't do anything and people that don't see the need and people dealing with chronic disease and injuries and being sedentary. And it's like, we're offering you a solution. It's simple. It's not easy. But what you said, it's all hard. It's just a different kind of hard. Life yeah. is hard, mm-hmm. but choose your heart. Do you want hard? I'm going to work out for an hour every day and it's going to be tough. Um, but then when I'm 60 and 70 and 80, I'm going to be hiking and playing with my grandkids, you know, my dogs or whatever. That's an incredible point you just made, too. I think people don't see the dividends that working out and health, um, paying attention to your nutrition and trying to have, you know, relatively good diet habits. And that only has to be, you can be an 80-20 kind of person. You don't have to be perfect. No one's perfect. Yeah, right. I love 80-20. Yeah, because yeah. I love donuts. Mm. I don't know about you, but we all have our vices, right? <laughs> so, but like people don't see, they can't see the 30 years down the road. They're only seeing like next week. So they don't think that that consistency over time is having that compound effect that will mm-hmm. allow them to grow old gracefully and in less pain. Were you in finance before this? No. Okay. No. The, the my dividends wife, and no, the compound but, effect. <laughs> no, but my wife, is, like I said, was a finance major yeah, and a mortgage okay. broker for, for 15 yeah. or 18 years. So I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do like those analogies. Yeah. When you think about it, it's the same way. It's like, yeah. are you putting money into your bank account or are you just going to be continually in debt? And then one day when you're 75, you're going to be like, why do I feel so bad? And why am I broke? Yeah. And why why like, am I physically broke and mentally broke? And, you know, yes. They don't I, realize the, the accumulation of, like, the chronic stress and the yes. the chronic unhealthy eating and the chronic, like, sedentaryism, whatever that word is. But on a positive note to that, talking about the chronic issues and injuries and things that debilitate you as you get older. Like, I have a client that I just started back with. I hadn't heard from her in probably three or four years. And so I trained with her, you know, back in like 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. Then didn't hear anything from her. You know, it just happens. You know, you kind of part ways from someone. And um, she messaged me right around when we we opened back up from COVID. So I want to say like May, June-ish. And um, she's had double knee replacement. She's, you know, 50 plus years old. And she was in so much pain just walking. Like was miserable little overweight, could stand to lose a little bit of weight, um, came back to me and said, hey, do you have some time on your schedule? And I said, actually, I do. I've got several clients that aren't coming back until there's a, you know, oh, the yeah. dust has settled mm-hmm. with COVID. So yeah, let's do it. And she has come in and she has worked her tail off and she is doing phenomenally well. She's lost a little bit of weight, 
the main thing is is that her body composition is starting to change. She's gaining lean muscle. You know, she's um, dropping, like I said, some weight, specifically fat loss, mm-hmm. which is what you want to see in a patient or a, a client. And she's moving with less pain. Yeah. And she's like can walk up up and down her stairs without hurting. And she just those are the kind of victories you want to you know. And get it didn't take her that long either. No, I mean she's been religious. Like she's barely yeah. missed a session. She's been in three times a week. And heck yes, she's been doing activity on her own. Um, you know, riding a bike or walking. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been cool to see the, the transformation for her mm-hmm. more mentally than anything else. And that's that's really why we're here. You know, we just want to make people better. And, you know, help find that motivation for them when they can't. And yeah. keep them consistent. Provide keep them, them accountable. Yeah. How, like, why do you think so many people don't realize the necessity for this? Like, it's a just complete lack of self-awareness. I, I don't, I feel, I mean, we haven't been educated on this. Also, and that too, like, lack of education. In, our, sure. in schools, like, what were you taught? Because I don't remember anything. I mean... Well, you know, sadly in school we were taught that we should eat 11, you know, 11, 11, yeah, 11 uh, carbs a day. And, um, what even like 11, I don't, (laughs) it it was like, um, I can, I can picture the food pyramid in my head and at the bottom of the food pyramid was all these grain carbs, you know, like pastas and rices and cereals. Yeah, it looks really good. It looks really good. Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I mean like. And it's interesting, you know, as, as people age and they start to feel their bodies more. So where, when does that happen? Usually around 35 or 40. And they're like, oh, I'm getting old. Yeah. It, but as soon as they come to see someone like you or me, they're like, wow, this is what I've been missing all this time. And that's really what you're trying to do is just guide them, inform mm-hmm. them, educate them, and hopefully, like, change their mindset. Yes. And help them make better decisions. Yeah. yeah. Like, being their guide. Yep. Yeah. And it's not like... We're trying to offer this, like, snake oil. No. That's, you know, we're, we're like, please accept my solution that I'm giving to you. Like, I'm not, like, why would we lie about this thing that's, that's actually going to be, like, hard work for them? Right. That's a huge talking point. Like, there is no snake oil. There is no magic yeah. pill. If someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I, I found this fat-burning pill. I'm like, no. Pills don't burn fat. Bodies do. And, <laughs> and they just, yeah. like, they don't they don't see that. So it's like... That's when you have to, you know, like talk to them as a a whole person and figure out what is it about your life that you're only willing to commit to taking a pill every night and instead of, you know, working out for 30 minutes to an hour every day. Like what, what is going on that you're prioritizing more? Right. And then you start to really find out things. I mean, you find out like their, their stress and their family lives and their jobs and maybe they're like foundational beliefs and what they think they need to be doing and yes and it's like you have to there's a lot to unpack there is there's a psychology that goes with it that I talked briefly in the beginning about learning from experience and deeply learning and that was one of the things early on in my like career as a personal trainer was I wanted to hit everyone with the same two by four and be like this is the only way you can do it and you have to be this way and this is it but there's an ebb and flow to fitness and their journey and everyone's every human is different everyone's you know like needs are different to an extent we all need strength training right but it it went back to i, I thought everyone wanted to be wanted to be as fit as me and and every workout needed to, they needed to be in pain and <laughs> nothing else mattered i yeah. didn't want to listen but then you know i went through some 
some own personal self-reflection in my life and some self-development awareness that made me realize that that's something that was lacking in other people. And so they not only didn't have the education to understand what they needed, but they also just weren't aware of what they needed. So it was an interesting, you know, yeah, learning experience for me in the last 10 years. I, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Like, it's, it's harder... It's harder to listen. It's harder to adjust communication style. Like, it's harder to have the give and take. You know, like, I can sit here and it would be really easy for me to be like, Becky, you're doing everything wrong. I need you to do these things. If you don't do them, sorry. Yep. But, like, that's not helping you. Mm-mm. It is a give and take. Like, it's a relationship between the, the client and the trainer or the patient and the therapist. And mm-hmm. it would be really easy to just be like hard headed about it. But behavior change is not going to come from someone just being like, well, you need to do these things. You know, I, I actually wrote something down that I wanted to like touch on. And it's, it's like telling someone who is, you know, 50 pounds overweight that they need to move more and eat less. It's kind of like telling an alcoholic they need to just drink less mm-hmm. or someone who's depressed. Oh, you just need to lighten up and like, you should be more positive. Yeah. Be more positive. Like that's, that's never going to help. You've got like, to. Oh, find. okay. No, you just I, I wish I wish I'd have thought of that myself. <laughs> Thank and, you. Yes, and it, it it's like happen. you have to like. I'm such an empath, and uh, that's one of those an empath. Yes, and that's one of those things I've learned. You know, again through a lot of self reflection and awareness. Um, so I tend to hold on to other people's stuff a lot, but it also helps me. I think of it as a strength because I can feel someone else's pain like I know that they are struggling with their nutrition because they're so stressed you know their husband is struggling with their work and their you know kids getting bullied at school like the the stories that come out of people are mm-hmm. so oh, powerful yeah. and it really gives you insight as to what what the problem is and or you know what what the problem is at like a complete base level yeah like that's like foundationally why they haven't made changes yes. if you're if you're trying to change the top of the pyramid and you don't even know anything about this person because if they if they knew what they needed to do, then why haven't they done it? There's right. obviously a lot of things that have prevented them. But it's, isn't it crazy that even when they know what they need to do, they still struggle to do it? Yeah. Because it's like you talked about. It's it's habits. And like habits are hard to, to pull together. Like one of my favorite books is Atomic Habits. Yeah, James, James Clear. Clear. Yeah. I need to reread it. I've only done the audio. It's one of those books that my wife has recommended to me. She's a huge reader. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, it's, it's a great example of like just how difficult it is, but how successful you can be if you can just add a few little, you know, simple habits. Mm-hmm. I love the term you used earlier and I love it. I actually use the same term. It's not easy, but it can be simple, but you've got to simplify for people. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. if you throw the kitchen sink at them and tell them they've got to change this, 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 and it's this. Overwhelming. They're it's never going to, they're not going to do any of them. So like, you know, my first initial um, contact with a client is I just sit down and have a 45 to an hour, you know, conversation with them and just learn a little bit more about them personally, mm-hmm. finding that connection with them and um, getting an understanding, like you said, on a, on a fundamental like baseline level. What, what are the problems? Now what can we do to infiltrate and fix them? Yeah. Um, you know, what little things can we do? One of the first things I do after I meet with a client is I send them, you know, like, all right, time for a change email. And I just go through a few little things that they can do on their own. Okay, let's, um, let's food journal. 
Let's be more self-aware of what we're putting in our body. Let's create a blueprint. And it doesn't have to be in an app. I use my fitness mm -hmm. pal just because they can go then look at what I'm doing and I can lead by example in that way and I can kind of help them you know, through that nutritional aspect. But food journaling, writing on a piece of paper or taking pictures of your meals, really being more aware of what you're putting in your body. Um, and then, you know, trying to cut back in those first couple weeks on the amount of processed foods and sugars you put in your body. Um, moving five days a week, even if it's for 20 minutes. Yeah. Because you're going from zero to, to exactly. something. Yeah. Um, focusing on a little more sleep, trying to put your device down a little earlier in the evening. Um, you know, creating a block of time where you're going to sleep. All right, from 10 to 7, I don't touch my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't watch TV. You know, go to sleep in a quiet, dark room. Um, you know, drink more water. Just basics. Are you surprised or do you find that people are surprised when you bring up all those things or when you email? Like, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm here for personal training. Like, why are you telling me how to sleep? Um, no, because by the time someone's coming to me for personal training, they're... They're ready for a change. I don't know that they're ready to make the um, make the changes themselves yeah. or that they know how, but they clearly want some guidance. They clearly want some help, and they're ready, and they're willing. So they're open-minded, and they yeah. listen. Um, I feel like, so I have the same process, right, like a little bit different, but 75-minute eval, and most of, like I could probably use that whole time or more and just talk um, because I think knowing the person – knowing what they need to change, knowing what they think they need to change, just like knowing someone and, and getting the history from them is like way more important than any movement screen that you can do. And so people are always surprised when I'm asking them about sleep and stress and nutrition. Someone was like, what is this, a therapy session? And I'm like, well, um, I'm a physical therapist, so it is in the name. And also like, why do you think it's different? Why do you think it's separate? Like what got you to this point is that you, you need to make a change. So like, how can I help you make a change if I don't know what's going on in your life? Like you're not a robot that I'm just going to be like, Oh, if I tell you to do these things, you're going to do them. Like you're a com complex human. Right. But we, we aren't taught that in PT school. I mean, we have like a lecture on behavior change. Um, but it's like, you could be the best trainer in the world or like provide the best meal plans and nutrition advice in the world. But if you can't communicate it with someone or if you don't know how to get someone to make a change, it doesn't matter. Like, you, you can't utilize it. No. And, and that's something that I used to struggle with is I would take it all personally. Mm -hmm. But if they weren't making these changes that I was trying to implement and help them with, it was something that I was doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just not the case. Um, usually it's not the case. But, yes, how do you, how do you engage someone and get them to the point that they know these changes need to be made and, and creating that change. It, it's, it's, it's a very slippery slope. It's hard. It is hard. I mean, it's like a dance. It is. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. Either. And again, it ebb and flows. I mean, there, there are times, you know, goals change and evolve mm -hmm. over time for people. So, you know, we try to implement a couple short-term goals that they create. Mm -hmm. So it's in their mind. And I say, okay, write them down. Write them down with a pen and paper and put them in your visor of your car. Put them on the mirror in your bathroom. Put them on the refrigerator. Wherever you're going to see it the most. Mm -hmm. Put it on the back of your phone. So now that now they've created some habit changes mm -hmm. that they're willing to try and work towards and stick to for six to eight weeks. Because in six to eight weeks, we're going to reevaluate anyway mm -hmm. and see where you're at. 
And like in six to eight weeks, you could have had a parent die. Or, you know, your kid could have had a major, you know, accident Mm -hmm. that they're dealing with. So, like, life gets in the way. And it's always going to get in the way. But you have to be able to evolve and change. And adapt around it. And adapt to that, too. COVID, right? Yeah, absolutely. I find that it's, and I think probably it's just because people come here, it's physical therapy, and they're like, well, I'm here to get out of pain. And I'm like, okay, well, why? They're like, what other goals do you have? And I find that people don't like talking about their goals. Like, they almost don't like to admit them. Because as soon as they say it's a goal... It's like there's a possibility for failure. That is, you are so right. And I actually had that thought earlier, just that people don't trust themselves to fall through. And that's so mm-hmm. true. Uh, I think they are scared. I mean, uh, for, for my Ironman training, it's a perfect example. Like I had set some goals that were lofty. And as soon as I said them out loud, you know, even me with my competitive spirit and like pretty athletic background, I thought, gosh, if I don't reach them, I've failed. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, I, I, I hit some of those goals. I missed a few. But, you know, it is like getting it out there and then trusting yourself and believing in yourself enough to get to that next point and, and hit that goal is is scary for people. And it's, for sure. it's also like, why are we so afraid of failure? It's because we Failure's prescribe our, our worth yeah. to it. For sure. It's like a, it's a tangible aspect of life. Uh, I've, I failed at something, uh, uh, you know, no good. And it, it couldn't be any further from the truth. Yeah. So you fail at something, you grow from it. You learn from it. You get better. I mean, I find that even myself, it's like it, the easy option is to pretend you don't care. Like in a workout, yeah. like, oh, it's fine. Like, I don't really care. Like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to qualify for this. I don't really care. It's easy to not care because as soon as you care... It, it gets hard because you're yep. you're vulnerable. You're it's, emotionally it's embarrassing if you to don't. Because yep. people are like, "Oh, she really wanted this," um, and so it's yeah, it's something that we deal with. Obviously, like we don't have yeah. it all figured out. Such an interesting point, though. You went to thinking about what other people think, and we all do it. Oh, I'm yeah. so guilty of it. But yeah, worrying about what other people think. Why does it matter? Like it's, like, it's your body, it's your mind, it's your life. But again, I, I totally can relate to that because. I spend lots of time worrying about what other people think. And then if you were to actually talk to those people that, that you think think a certain way about you, they probably don't even care because they're too busy thinking about what you think of them. Right. Or their own selves. Like, Which, why are we so, yep. like, paralyzed by what other people think that we won't take any action? Mm-hmm. Take a chance. Yeah, and they're not even actually thinking about us. Nope. Especially in, in fitness and also, like, in women. Um and the, the whole like failure and performance anxiety, like I think that's Agreed. huge. Um, and a lot of people that I like work out with and my friends, I, I definitely see that. They're like, oh, I don't want people to think that I'm this or that I'm a failure. And I'm like, I don't like you because of your performance in this workout or how much weight you can lift, right? Yes. Like that's not why people are friends with each other. Right. I like you because you show up and you're fun and you're fun yep. to work out with. Yep. Um, but I'm definitely guilty of that too. Of like, oh, my friends won't think of me this way if I don't mm-hmm. perform blank. And I think, I think, you know, in the age of social media, mm. it's become even more of an issue because there's lots of, you know, everyone's, everyone's best is out on social media and there's lots of ways to compare yourself to others and, oh, you know, she's, she's my age and she's done twice as much as what I've done and it's such an easy thing to do and like allow yourself to fall into that rabbit hole and that creates a whole nother level, level of anxiety and fear and when people let go of that and they just focus on what's important to them and their why, mm-hmm. it, 
like they have such a more enjoyable experience and they actually might find that they really don't mind working out and eating healthier and gosh their bodies feel so much better and they do feel less stress and they do feel better about themselves and ultimately those are the goals mm-hmm. like everyone has a goal to you know lean look better naked lean up, yeah look better <laughs> naked, lean up and tone up and you know lean down and that sort of thing but ultimately i think it always goes back to um, feeling better, yep. sleeping better, feeling less stress, feeling better about yourself. You people want to, people want to feel more confident for sure. Um, we're, yeah, we're just so, we're so affected by, by other people. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the social dilemma? Yes. I, so I've, I started it one time and then I fell asleep. So that really says a lot um, about no, me. No, it happened to me too. Okay. Yeah. But then I, I finished it the other mm-hmm. night and I was blown away and yes. the, the things about social media, about, like, they created the like button mm-hmm. for positivity and mm-hmm. joy, uh, but now it's actually a huge reason for suicide and anxiety and, yes. you know, and, and young girls and, and just the population overall. Like, the the effects that social media has, because all we do is compare. It's like, I, I see me fully, my best and my worst, but if I don't really know you, I just see your best. And yep. I'm like, well... Why can't I be like that? Like, what am I doing wrong? Why well, I need to do this? I should do that. It's, it's so toxic. It is uh, toxic. But I don't see uh, it changing. I don't either. It's just, it's getting more and more dangerous. And I've got twin godchildren that are oh. not nine-year-old girls. Oh, and yeah. I just had this conversation about the social dilemma with their moms um, not too long ago. And I said, talked about specifically, you know, I generally stay off of st- social media um, I try not to make it too much of a, a daily habit because of all of the things we just mm-hmm. talked about. And, um, you know, why do we post things on social media? Because we want positive reinforcement. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Something. But at the same time, it does create a level of anxiety. And, like, you know, it, it can, I'm, a, I'm an impulsive, addictive person. And it can cause, you know, mm-hmm. it can cause emotional um, turmoil for me. So, um you know, when you post something, you want that like, and you want that, that reinforcement of like, you're good. And if you can just look internally and look in the mirror and like the person you see looking back at you, that's what, that's where it's at. That's what's important. Like you're good. Cause you're human. Like you're yeah. worth it just cause you're here. Yeah. I have literally like gone to places before just so I can put it on social media. And I know I'm not the only one that does this. For like, sure. I know that. I love this honesty. Yeah. Like, I have taken trips before because I'm like, oh, this will look good on social media with someone that I don't want to take a trip with. Like, that's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, since we're being so honest, I mean, you know, like, one of my favorite days of the year now is my birthday because I hear from, like, 400 friends on Facebook. <laughs> and I, I like every single one oh, of Oh, my gosh. Because I have that, I have that need to please others. And that's in my personality, and I like every single one of those, and it feels so good. And um, I was having this discussion again with with my friends, um, with the twins, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of social media perusing because it just isn't good for my psyche. But on my birthday, or the day after my birthday, my wife put this really beautiful, wonderful post, you know, about me that I discovered and was like, oh wow, what a, what nice things to say about me. <laughs> And then I found myself look at it, you know, looking at it 20 times because then mm-hmm. other people are chiming in. And what did it do? It made me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's, there's got to be a balance and a, you know, a line that you stay away from. 
Yeah, like, yeah, like, why do we need this to feel good about themselves? No, yes. but I love it. It's it, when someone posts, like, happy birthday to this person, and they put you on their story, and it's like, you get all these compliments, and you're like, wow, I'm amazing. Yes. And then it goes away. Yeah. And you're like, oh, dang. So you mentioned something before, um, and obviously this is a big topic that I always like to talk about, um, the girls and the strength training, mm-hmm. right? The, the women not wanting to be bulky. Right. Um, and I've said this before and my friend, my friend says it all the time. Like one, I've been trying to bulk up for years. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Uh, like gaining muscle is hard. It is hard. Um, especially like as a girl, especially as someone who's busy, you know, it's a, it's a full-time job of eating. And then also like saying that I'm going to bulk up cause I'm lifting weights and I'll say, give credit to Rachel DiGiacomo, my best friend and roommate. She was like, Saying that is saying that you're going to win the Indy 500 because you go to drive your car to work. Yes. It's just like, what? Like, how do we get from A to B? Like, right. if you if you strength train, you're going to get bulky. And also, what's wrong with bulky? Right. There, there's That's a two-part problem. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, we as society look at women and think they should look a certain way. And I think it's obviously evolved over time. Um, but, you know, it used to be in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, the nice, curvy... You know, voluptuous women. Poodle skirts. Yes. <laughs> and now, you know, we we look at, um, you know, the magazines and the models, and they're all tall and thin and 5'11 and weigh 105 pounds. And, you know, heaven forbid we have a, you know, a ripped bicep or, you know, a quad muscle. And I, I think, yeah, women are afraid of that. They're, again, it goes right back to being afraid of what other people think of you. And there's nothing wrong with being muscular. And I actually think it's... We're, I think we're turning a, um, a corner with that. I, I, think, I feel like we are, too. I, I feel like more and more women uh, that come in and, you know, want to train with me are like, you know, I wouldn't mind looking kind of more like, I don't know, like you or, you know, someone. But they're, like, you know, afraid to say it. Yeah. And they're also, the fact that they define you as, like, a certain type. They're like, yeah. oh, I want to look like you. It's like. Well, why don't you just want to look like yourself? Yeah. I don't know. It's still it's still hard. So it's, like it goes into that comparison mindset again, but women certainly have are, have been better, I think about just looking at patterns of of people yeah. about like being okay with having a little muscle um and looking fit. Um uh, but it, it's a it's a hard little slope. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sure. a, it's a ton of stuff and it's like why, why do you want to look fit also? But like no one, like we want to look fit, right? Like I want to look fit. I want to be fit. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I feel like I actually look fit, but I'm not fit at all. (laughs) So it's all just aesthetics, but it's like, why do we, we still want to look a certain way. Yeah. Well, and I, but I think, I think when someone, when the light bulb goes off in someone's mind about what fitness really entails, Mm -hmm looking fit isn't important. It isn't their end game anymore. It's just a byproduct of yes. the work. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, awesome. I, I do look good. I look better. My stomach's flatter. You know, my legs look more muscular. You know, my shoulders look more rounded. I look better, but gosh, I didn't even notice that I just mm-hmm. feel better. Mm-hmm. And I feel better about myself internally. And that, again, it always goes back to that. But I, I, I truly think that that light bulb has to go off first and that thought process of like fitness is a lifestyle it's it's never gonna like you're never gonna not do it I mean it's it's a habit that you have to create Mm -hmm. it's a discipline that you have to be willing to go after 
not every day, but yeah, you know. We, you said it. I mean, some days you don't want to do anything. Some days sure. I don't want to do anything. Like, the life stresses are enough. I don't need any more stress. And we're not saying that every single day we go and run a marathon. Like, we're saying that we're humans that, that keep trying. Like, mm-hmm. we just keep trying to make better decisions. And that's what we want all of our patients and clients to do is make better decisions. And so it's like, how can we, how can we help them? Mm-hmm. So when you said, I don't know, I just thought of this. Like, what if looking fit is the new trend? Because we, we always try to follow these trends. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Gosh, that's a great question. And I think it can be a double-edged sword for sure. I think, you know, we've, um, with, with everything that's happened in the last several years with, with women and them coming to the forefront and kind of getting, um, getting a, a seat at the table with men, mm-hmm. I think more women can now look at other women and respect them and and cheer for them instead of wanting to tear them down. Mm -hmm. So I feel like women are, you know, looking at each other saying, you girl, do what you do. You like do what you want to do. And the girl power thing. I love girl power. I think it's (laughs) It's really like, it's more, I've always, I've always been a cheerleader of other people. Like I always want my friends or my colleagues or my peers to succeed. And I think that definitely came from playing sports and mm-hmm. playing on team sports it was specifically. In you. It was yeah. always something that you always cheer for your teammates. It's a team effort always. So like I've always looked at like women and humanity as a whole. Like it's a team effort. Why would you why would you break someone down? I mean, does it really make you feel better? Of course it doesn't. Um, like the better that they get, the better that we all just rise up together. Yeah. What I also do find is that when people are focused they focus their fitness because of the way they want to look. They're like, okay, well, I, I want to get toned or I want to get a six-pack. I find that they're not successful, but when they are like, okay, I just want to be really strong or I just want to hit this performance goal, that's when they actually start, like, making the, the body changes. And they're yes. like, oh, like, look at me. Like, I look awesome. And it's mm-hmm. not like I didn't even try. Yes. Because, like, the things that, that actually make abs – are not the floor ab exercises like all the time, you know, it's like the nutrition, obviously a huge part of it. And also like lifting big weight, like stabilizing weight overhead, being strong. Yes. Hitting those transverse abdominis muscles and like, yeah, building from the core, from the inside out. And, um, I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But yes, like getting back to your point of we, when we stop worrying about like how we look and we just do the things we need to do, those habits and creating several habits, I think also, you know, you want to think about, um, how we are as a society, such an immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. Like I, if I need something at Walmart and they don't have it, I can stand in Walmart and go to Amazon on my phone and order it and get it tomorrow. Oh, and I'm like, Maybe oh, it's going to be day. here in two days. No, I want to find whichever option gets it to me by tomorrow. Wow. And I think that's the same way with our body image. And, like, you know, it's it's like, let's unwrap this. You spent 30 years of your life. So, you know, you, you've never been active. And you're 30 years old or, say, even 40 years old. You spent the, your whole life being sedentary and eating like crap and drinking too much alcohol. Do you really think that it, you're going to make all these changes and even if you're perfect that in six months you're going to look the way you really want to most of the people and it goes back to the social media aspect or like you know comparing yourselves to others but the people you're seeing on social media or the you know the fitness 
you know, or professional athletes, whoever you're looking at that you want to be like or that you know you admire, they've been doing it their whole lives. Mm-hmm. You've probably you look awesome, well, and you've probably you. been so in you. fitness, you know, since at a young age. Like you've probably always it's always been a part of you. It's always been ingrained in you. So, you know, someone walks in your office and they have an acute injury and they haven't been strength training and they don't know the first thing about nutrition and they want to look like, you know throw an athlete in there that yeah. looks incredible. Abby Wambach. Catch your whatever you want it to be. <laughs> right. It doesn't happen overnight. No. It's not even a six-month process or a one-year process. It, it does t- turn into a lifetime, yeah. you know, change. And it takes time. It's like it took you 30 years to get to this point. You're not going to undo it in 30, yeah. 30, 30 days. No. And I, I struggle when I have more of like the weight loss focused clients. And they're like, well, I want to lose 50 pounds and in three or six months, and I'm like, I struggle between being the cheerleader and the like, you can do anything if you set your mind to it, and then the realistic person of like, well, that may not be healthy or realistic for you. Right. You don't want to be a pessimist and say, well, yeah. well I don't oh, know. You yeah, can't do that. Back. Like, you want to you want to embrace their goals and like and be all in with them, but at the same time, you want to educate them like, hey, yeah. look, maybe like half a pound to one pound of fat loss a week is healthy. And it's going to depend on their lifestyle too. If someone's willing to really work their, you know, their butts off and, you know, get out there and lift weights three times a week and, you know, do some sort of cardio training mm-hmm. or, you know, calorie burn or neat, you know, park at the end mm-hmm. of the parking lot and walk into the grocery store. If they're willing to do all those little things and work on their nutrition, you know, they might see a two pound weight loss yeah. a, a week and depending on how much weight they have to lose. But, you know, when they're coming into you and they have this unrealistic mindset of like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And, and again, you can go right back to, you know, they've probably watched The Biggest Loser on mm. TV and decided like, oh, I can do that. Well, they're yeah. working out for six hours a, a day. Oh, and, that sounds miserable and, also. And, and, you know, restricting their calories to 1,200 or 900 calories a day. I bet they feel awful. Awful. Burnout too. Yeah. Like, are they going to sustain those habits? Never. And why do they, 90% of those people gain all that weight back. I mean, it's something astronomical. I don't know the, the, don't quote me on that number, but it's, it's an astronomical number that, that gain all that weight back because they can't sustain those habits. So it's that happy balance of Mm -hmm. helping someone achieve the goals, but finding a realistic avenue to get them there. Yeah. And that's it. That's what we're all trying to figure out. Yeah, I, I wrote down a few things that you can probably relate to, but like my obligation as a coach mm-hmm. is being there, the best teacher that you can be for them, the best cheerleader you can be for them, the best motivator, um, you know, a support system, a confidant, but also a critical coach, mm-hmm. like a, and a critical friend. Like you've got to, you got to be a lot of things to this person. Yeah, to really like help them the best way you can. And you said before, it takes a toll, right? Like you, especially when you kind of take the emotional burden home with you and yes. and you're like, you're thinking about it all the time. Well, mm-hmm. they said this, how can I help them with this? Like, how do you deal with that? It's difficult and I struggle with it. It's one of my things I struggle probably most with. And I actually, I, I can't think of the name of the writer, but there's a book that I want to start reading. A friend of mine gave to me that I actually gave my wife to read first and it's called Burnout. Mm. And it's specifically geared more towards women, but how to deal with burnout. And I think that's a really um, interesting component to personal trainers. I don't know if you deal with it with physical therapy, but yes, like it's constantly on your mind. Like, how can I make this person better? Like, man, I've been doing this with their programming and their body hasn't really been responding that well to it. 
what can I do differently to, you know, get them back like, or, you know, get them to that next level. Find that progressive overload that's going to make them better. Like you're in the shower or, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, this. Yeah. And like, or like, you know, you're, you have three or four clients going through some really heavy, dark stuff and you just, you take that home with them, with you and you don't want them to be going through that. And you, how can you, you know, be the most positive influence you can over them as much as you can. And it's just, it's a, it's a pressure cooker. Um, and I think I go through some like mm-hmm. definite ups and downs with that. Um, definitely on an upswing right now. That's I've been dealing with a lot of personal stuff lately yeah. that has put a lot of a lot of my clients' stuff, you know, the things they go through in perspective for me. Um, but how do you deal with it? it it's hard. Uh, you know, you just um, you try to stay educated. You try to stay balanced. Um, you know, keep consistency for them in their life, um, you know, helping them find enjoyment in what they're doing, celebrating their little victories when they, you know, when they've mm-hmm. hit, you know, a, a, a weight loss goal or, you know, a, a PR and a strength training yeah. goal, that sort of thing. Finding those little victories is a great way to, you know, to like ease that, that burden you feel. But it's a good burden, but it, it's still, it, it can be a lot. It's a bur- it's it heavy. is a burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when we call ourselves guides, like that's what it is. Like we're walking on this journey with them Mm -hmm. and if they fall, like we fall and then we feel like it's our fault. I mean, it's kind of like a kid and a parent, right? Absolutely. That's a great comparison. I've never thought of it that way, but yes, like you don't want your children to fail, but you know, they have to get better to succeed. And you also don't want to just give them everything that they want because you know better, like you know what they need. And so, you know, with like fitness and physical therapy, it's always a balance of like, giving enough giving them enough of what they need or what they think that they need but also educating them on what they actually need yeah it's like if someone comes in here and they're like oh I I just think having 30 minutes of ultrasound is going to help me like it is my obligation to educate you on like why that's not successful but it's also like well I I want you to be happy like no like we're their their doctors their guides their teachers like we we're their parents in a sense of like nope this is what's going to be good for you. I love that. That's a great comparison. And you're, so you're trying to give them the knowledge, the guidance and the tools that they need to succeed. And you only get 30 minutes, uh, you know, oh my God. a That'd week with them or, you know, th- three, three 30 minute sessions yeah. a week to How give you, them all yeah. that they need. And then you just yeah. expect that the other, you know, however many hours in mm-hmm. a week that they're not with you, that they're going to do all the right things. And they're just, just not. cause they met you. Yeah. And you're like, here's all yeah. the things I Here have to give to, to you. And they're like, okay, yep. why is this important? Yes. Yeah. So it's a lot working but, with people. I mean, that's, that's people. I was like, so I just graduated in May. Like I've been a PT for five, no, sorry, six months, oh, almost wow. six months. Yeah. Weird. Right. Are and you loving it though? I mean, I love it. It's good. just, it's, so much harder in different ways than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have your clinical skills down and like all of that, it's the hardest thing is communication and the people skills. And like, I thought that I was an extrovert. Don't really think I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're also like a different person for that person in front of you. Like I'm, I'm Hannah, but I'm like seven different Hannahs okay. a day. Yep. And it's like adjusting your communication style. Like, okay, this person I need, need to be more stern with. Like, this yes. person I need to be a little bit like easier on and finding that finding that for each person it is and then you're you get adapting. home and you're like I just heard about seven other people's lives mm-hmm. and all the things that they're going through how can I help them mm-hmm. and I'm it's like midnight and I'm awake and I'm like oh my god 
you'll you'll ease that that burden will ease over time but there's certainly that's I'm glad that I'm not the only one that feels that way but you are right like um I too learned that I'm not an extrovert um it for me took stop drinking alcohol to get to that point (laughs) yeah um but yes I'm an introvert at heart and I think that's another reason I do enjoy that Mm one-on-one training and personal aspect but had I had it to do all over again, I probably would have just gotten a psychology degree yes. and then gotten my personal training, you know, knowledge base. Yeah. Um, because it, it you, you become such a good listener, and then but then you want to try to help them solve those problems, and maybe it's not your responsibility to, but you're still there thinking about it, and you know you want them to be okay. And you're right, you're a different person for every for every individual you train and coach, and um, for you with. PT, of course, um, and it, I love what you touched on with you know regards to how you talk to each client and what they need. Some clients need to be barked orders at, mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk about personal stuff. Yeah. They really just want to get that workout in, and they want every piece of their movements to be precise and correct. Mm-hmm. And then some people you let you lax on their form just a little bit because they're telling you about how their kid just drove their car into a tree. So, yeah. you know, it, it just, it, it, it changes day to day. It changes mm-hmm. week to week, client to client. It's such a, an adaptable, you know, thing. Like you're you, always on your toes. Yeah. Always. So what do you mean? You changed, you didn't think you were an introvert until you stopped drinking alcohol? Yes. Oh, I, well, alcohol was, uh, was what flipped the switch for me to yeah. be an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I actually have social anxiety and, um, about six and a half years ago, uh, decided that alcohol was a major deterrent for me to be a good human in life and to um, to continue uh, down the path I was was just it was um, it was going to put me in a few different places either jail, death, or an institution. Mm. So um, using those words, I actually went to AA. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I got a sponsor. I went through the steps. That was kind of the significant emotional event in my life that really changed the trajectory and course of my life. And um, the the self development that takes, and the the honesty, the and the personal reflection and responsibility, um, you know, made it made me a better person, made me a better partner to my wife, and a better friend, and a better, better sister, trainer. a better daughter, yeah. and certainly better at what I do. And um, but yeah, I mean, I love people, but I love the personal, like, interaction and getting deep with someone and learning, like, what makes them tick and their whys and, mm-hmm. you know, what happened in their life to make, to, to put them on the path that they're on now. And, you know, while I've always been fit and a, it's always been a, a huge aspect of my life, I can now relate on a much more personal level with a food addiction because I had an alcohol addiction. So I understand that, you know, food can fill a void, just like alcohol can fill a void. And there's so many deep aspects to all of that. And it's definitely helped me put more tools in my toolbox to be more empathetic to people and um, and be a better a better trainer and coach for them too. I love that like you're you're taking that and you're still applying it to the ways you can be better for other people, because I think that says a lot about you. You know, and you're like, oh, I'm really glad I went through all this because now I can be better for that person that's yeah. dealing with it. Because it's true. Like, you've learned all these things, and now you can help someone else. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just like this domino effect. 
It is. It is. And and it probably goes back to, too, like when you have a client that you really want to help um, and they're just in a, in a dark place or a bad place and you know that until they fix what's, what's happened with them internally, they're not going to be able to help themselves externally. When you can get into that little piece of their souls, mm-hmm. that's where the magic can happen and that's where the light bulb can go off. But until you fix what's in here, you can't fix, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you've got to change the things internally that make you tick before you can. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't, this is so stupid also because I'm really bad at plants, but like the plant grows from the root, right? From yeah. the soil. And like, you don't see any of that. Right. I feel like I stole that from someone. No, well, it, I also feel are, are all the succulents any of, I have. Are any of our ideas original? I mean, we've probably At this taken point, no. We've probably taken every thought we've ever had from somewhere else, and that's okay. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Just put our own spin on it. But I love yeah. that. That's so true. Like my roots were really dead and rotted, and they needed some life blown into them. And it, you know, I think a lot of people probably feel that way. And like I said, when when pe- when someone comes to me. Or when someone comes to you, something in them is broken. Whether it's whether it's an injury or it's a, it's internally, or they like, think they're broken. Right. Someone has told them that they're broken. Right. So how do you like? What is the hardest part about getting into their soul? First of all, like, do you struggle with with having that conversation? What is that like? It 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 changes from person to person, but. Um, I think it's really just finding a human connection with them and finding a mutual trust and respect. And they're not going to just, you know, it's interesting because some people will walk in, they've never met you and they'll tell you their whole oh life God, story in the first 30 minutes. And you're like, wow, like, I is, did not need okay. to know all that, but okay. Yes. Thank you for all that. <laughs> but, um, but they're willing to, when they're willing, when, when you're willing to be vulnerable with someone, they're willing to reciprocate mm-hmm. that more often than not, because they realize that like you're human too. And you don't have to be this like superhuman, like I feel no pain. I've never been anything through anything hard yeah. in my life. Like I've had struggles too. Like, you know, I, I've always looked fit. I, you know, thank my parents for, you know, genetics. Like, th- certainly there's some genetic makeup there, but like internally my roots, like you said, like they were dry and, and rotted and need, needed something, something good. And so like, Finding that vulnerability in someone when they can find it in you first is a, a huge, like, way to turn the, the page with them. It's almost like, yeah, like setting the example. Yeah. So once you do get them to open up, how do you get them to, to change the internal? Like, how do you get them to fix that first? That's so, I know you it's so hard. You don't. Yeah. You, you can't. They have to. And wanting to and being willing to and being open to it is the obvious first step and being aware that it's that there's something that needs to change um but like you know giving them tools and like giving them things to read um I wrote down a ton of books that like I've kind of um you know recommended to clients over the last several years but um a great quote is uh Readers aren't always leaders, but leaders are always readers. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a good leader, you got to read, right? Um, and if you want to make changes to your own personal um, self development, development, yeah. you you got to do some you know some soul searching and some digging and and you know read. So um, 
Some of the books that I've put out to people um, are like Brene Brown books. Yes. She, I mean, Fabulous. she's like, yeah. I think she's coined the phrase vulnerability, mm-hmm. it feels like. At this point, yeah. So like, even I've sent that TED talk of Brene Brown's vulnerability mm-hmm. to people before, but like The Seven Habits Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People by Stephen Covey, um, The Atomic Habits, that's a great book. Um, Wolf Pack by Abby Wambach. I just gave that to one of my young athletes who just finished her track season. There's like a kid version that mm-hmm. is like super broken down and simplified. It's oh, pretty cool. Love that. Um, the Secret, The Four Agreements, um, The One Thing, um, gosh, The Question Behind the Question. Um, and then I've got a couple of other athletes that I've recommended the book Relentless, which is. Yeah. Um, have you read that before? Someone just told me to read it. Okay. it's um, I have a list. For all yeah. the podcasts, everybody tells me what to read. I'm like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, you know, like p- filling yourself with positive, like, information is such an important piece of that, right? Um, having the the ability and the mindset to um, know what in your life is negative that maybe you need to cut out. Like, it's not just, you know, I've got to stop eating donuts and drinking, to, you know, binge drinking on the weekends. Maybe that friend that makes fun of me all the time for wanting to get get fitter and and better myself, maybe I should spend less time with that person and spend more time with the people that are going to lift me up and inspire me and make me better. So, you know, there's no, like, black and white answer as to how you get into someone. And there's no no wrong and right in how you, you know, open that person up. It is a lot of soul-searching. And, like, a lot of people would hear that and they'd be like, oh, whatever. But, like, awareness is not enough. But, right. but like, that's where you have to start of like, sure, being aware of it. And also I think that's why talking about it is like so helpful because mm-hmm. one, I get to hear myself say it, I get to admit it to you. And then you get to kind of like put all the pieces together and repeat it back to me and be like, this is what you just told me. Active listening. Yep. Yeah. It's a huge tool. Yeah. Um, and I can still, I can go back even to relate it to AA. You know, I realized I had a problem and was able to admit I had a problem and needed help. And I seeked outside help and I went to AA and I started going to meetings and I got a sponsor and I worked this, the 12 steps of the AA program. And the again, the honesty and the openness and the vulnerability and the um, desire to make changes internally, you know, and it wasn't a one a one month process. It wasn't yeah. a, it was a you know, months after months well, after life years. Long. Absolutely. So like I try to live the principles of AA every day in my life. And um, like for instance, you know, if, if, I, if I blew up at you this morning and we had a huge argument and I knew that I, there was some fault that I could take in that and responsibility, I might call you later that day and say, hey, Hannah, I'm so sorry I blew up at you this morning. You know, I, I have to take some responsibility here and, and I just want to apologize to you. Just taking those little, like making those little steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of it also can just go back to like, are you walking the walk? Like you have to be a leader but in order to lead, you have to lead by example. And that's probably a piece of my puzzle that I was missing for the first several years that I was doing personal training with clients. Not only was I trying to hit them with a two by four and tell them this is the only way it can be, but I also wasn't really walking the walk. I wasn't being authentic. And that's a, a huge part of it. When some, like, you think about, you're probably the same, have the same thought process, but like when someone comes in to see you, Like, you might be the only positive piece of their day or their week. And so you want to be on for them and you want to be um, as positive and... and You want to give that person everything that you have. Absolutely. 
So, you know, that's a, the a important part of it. Just being consistent, being a good balance for them, being there for them. And that might look different every week. Well, and it's like, so when I went to PT, right, if I'm a patient, I see one PT, maybe once a week, maybe, maybe less often than that. Mm-hmm. As a PT, I see what, six or seven patients a day. But to that person, like, I am still that one PT. So to me, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, wow, it's flown by. Like, I've seen so many people. But, like, the impact that I've had on, in just an hour... Yes. Because that that's the one PT interaction that patient had. Like, when I went to PT, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I have one person who's all on me for an hour. And I didn't even think about all the other things they had going on. Yeah. I think, and you said it a lot before, especially with the Brene Brown thing, like, I think vulnerability is probably the best place to start. And also, it's, like, so powerful. Like, to sit here, like, I literally just met you and the things that we've talked about are things that, like, I haven't told, I mean, now they're on podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if we all just sit down and, like, be open and honest with with other people, it's just so powerful. And it's, It really is. And it feels good. And you're like, well, shoot. Like, we're all just people. We're all just humans. And, like, you're, the real you is going to come out eventually. Yes. And people are going to love you for it. And people are going to hate you for it. And it doesn't have anything to do with you. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think... um you know, piggybacking off of that point is like, we're all, we all get labeled as certain things. Like I've, I've been labeled a lesbian. I've been labeled an alcoholic. I've been labeled an athlete. But like when we sit down together, you're probably none of those three things. Well, you, sorry, you are definitely an athlete, but (laughs) you're probably, maybe you're not a lesbian and maybe you're not an alcoholic, but we have so much more in common than we even realized. You might be a Democrat and I might be a Republican, but at the end of the day, we probably want mostly the same things, mm-hmm. which is just like peace, serenity, exactly for you know things to be good in people's lives. Like I want good for you, just the same as you want good for me. But people aren't willing to sit down and, and have those conversations, and no, especially if there's labels that they're close to. Sure. Yeah, like if you if you were a lesbian and I was like, well, I don't meet with lesbians. Like right. what? Yeah. Then I like I would have never gotten to know you. Or if you were a Republican and I was a Democrat, I'm like, why are we labeling this and limiting right. ourselves when we all want the same things? I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's a group of people in the world that actually don't want good for the world. Whatever. Sure, but but for the okay. majority of people that we interact with every day, like we all want the world to be a better place. We're all just trying to do it in the way that we think is best. Yep. Because of X, Y, Z. Yep. And so, like, getting rid of the labels and just looking at the person in front of you is, like, another person on this earth that has things to share. Mm -hmm. It's just powerful. Um, Yeah, it's just a different... I don't think people really slow down and, like, think about it. That we're all here to help each other, right? Like, otherwise, why would we all be here? Why would we all have different talents and strengths? Yep. Uh, I think, um, you know, human connection. We all all just want human connection. Exactly. And the ability to um, relate to others and, and like, you know, understand what they're going through. And I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. We went on a bike ride together and we were talking about we all just want to be understood. We all want to be heard and we all want to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. And if if we could all work towards that, those common goals, like. This world would be kind of boring, but but a lot better. <laughs> We'd a all just better. be like happy and be weird. I, I say <laughs> I'm so like, weird. let's go back to the days where we would like barter for things. Yeah. Like, hey, like you personal train me, and I'll give you some free PT. Like that sounds great. You're like that does sound for your chickens. I'll give you this plant. Feels <laughs> <laughs> like a simpler time, right? I, I would love that. But yeah, like, yeah, definitely. there's a reason that we all 
care so much about what we what other people think because mm-hmm. that like socialness of being a human that mm-hmm. basic desire for human connection is like what we were all we all are ingrained with it yes um, it's just like when we take it too far and also with social media like it's, a, it's such an easy way I can pull up my phone and interact with like 50 other people but like and, why and, wouldn't I just interact with you yeah and none of those 50 people probably are in your day to day life more often no. than not I'm like why do I care about yeah. Why do I care about these people? I'm like, oh, what's he doing today? Like, yeah. I've literally never met this person. Right. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, why am I still looking at this stuff? And I've, I've gained nothing from any of this. Like, yeah, that's something I've tried to implement in the last several years because, you know, you're in the same boat. We can kind of make our own schedule in life, um, which is a, a positive for the most part. But you also have to find some structure and balance outside of that. So you know, I try to, um, you know, listen to good podcasts and um, read something fitness related every day and something, you know, medical related um, and just try to broaden your knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Like it's important to do that for your own well-being, but also to, you know, in, encompass that into your clients. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could spend less time on social media and more time listening to podcasts, yeah. but it's also like. There's always a balance, right, of being able to mm-hmm. turn your brain off at the yeah, end of the day. definitely. But um, then you're sitting there for two hours, and you're like, I should really go to bed. Like, why am I up? Yeah. Um, you know Steffi Cohen, the, like, power lifter? She lives in Miami, like, the badass woman. Yeah. Yes, I've heard her name before. I, I guess said- I probably got in bed at, like, 9 last night, and at 10, I'm, like, still scrolling through Steffi Cohen's Instagram. She has all these, like, educational videos, and I was like, at least I spent social media, like, learning you know from this person. That's actually an interesting point. I have a lot of, I follow a lot of people on Instagram that I find help are helpful mm-hmm. in, um, like, knowledge and information. Yeah. Um, so that's not always a bad thing. Exactly. I mean, and the beauty of Instagram is you can follow people that you have common interests with and only friends um, so yeah, I follow like a lot of like doctors and fitness professionals that I find helpful information. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, there's our industry is, um, you know, the, the base and fundamental knowledge is, is pretty constant, but there, there's things that evolve and change over time that like, there's you always want to stay current to do something. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's a great point. Like, gosh, this person can't do this kind of lunge, but what if they could do this kind of lunge and it doesn't hurt their knees or you know, their hips or whatever. So like having, having those, um, those like points of, of information and contact isn't a bad thing. And that's what like, there's, there's good in social media of mm-hmm. like that, that tool and there's bad, like anything it's, it, it's neither good or bad. It's just like how you use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like being in a business, um, I'm sure you like Instagram, social media is huge now with, with digital is, marketing and it's probably one of the things I'm worst at. Yeah. Because, again, like, I try to live an authentic, organic life, and I know that social media is not those things. Yeah. So I, I, I do have a separate, we have a, a Snap Fitness, you know, Instagram, and um, which I'm terrible about. Honestly, like, it's, it's <laughs> literally one of my weak, weaknesses. Um, but, and we, of course, have Facebook, too. Uh, but I try to, like, provide knowledge to our members and, you know, talk about, you know, like, sim- simplifying mm-hmm. fitness and like, here's some great fat loss tips. Like, you know, prioritize protein. Try to get in a ton of veggies. Um, drink plenty of water. Get lots of sleep. You know, just simplifying and, and providing, you know, knowledge and information to people who, um, 
are looking in the wrong places for it and thinking that, you know, the fad diet or, you know, the fad workout class is going to be the key to their success when it's really just hard work. There is no magic pill. There is no magic formula. There's no easy way out and there's no shortcut to hard work and consistency and discipline. So yeah, consistency. Like I don't care what you do, but if you do it every day, I promise you'll see a change. I promise it'll make a difference. Absolutely. This has been awesome um, because I feel like a lot of my like podcasts are typically more like interviews, you know, like, what do you do? Why do you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And those are great. Um, but I really like that we were able to like get really deep with it and talk about a lot of things that like, obviously we are both passionate about. Um, Definitely. So this has been great. So where can our followers find you? Obviously on your very busy Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram, not as um, active, which, you know, maybe this is a good kick in my pants that I can get better about it. <laughs> But SnapFitness underscore Mount Pleasant. We have a Facebook page that we're a little more active on. And it's, uh, if you search SnapFitness Charleston, South Carolina, uh, we're on that as well. And um, <clears throat> we're doing, um, we're, we're, we created a private Facebook group uh, just for the last couple months of the year where we're doing like some Facebook live videos so people can do some at-home workouts. See, you you're on have. social media. You're yeah. doing great. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've been forced, in, forced yeah. fed into it. But, um, but it, there, there are definitely positive aspects to it. So, um, but it's, we're offering nutrition tips and like different recipe ideas and like, hey, here's a here's a look see into my fridge or my pantry. Yeah. And here are some of the staples that I always have on hand. You know, to, to cook meals and prep and that sort of thing. So. Um, so yeah, look us up there. Always shoot me a private message. Um, you know, um, I, I used to feel more burdened by people reaching out to me and asking questions. And now I feel like it's like my public duty and service and obligation and like my honor to help people, uh, um, you know, gain knowledge and get just get education, educated mm-hmm. on, um, you know, aspects of fitness and wealth and health, um, you know, well-being and, um, and I don't know, it's just, it's so important for me to, um, to help others at this point that, you know, anytime someone reaches out, I'm, I try to get right on it and, and give them as much knowledge and information as I can and whatever they've asked me about. So, so yeah, definitely reach out. Love it. Yeah. All right, everyone. Becky Wallenberg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.